Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm your host, John, and this episode is the first in a series of conversations that myself and Johannes had about our long-running campaigns, the Chronicle of the Crowns and Smoke and Snow for Burning Wheel and Old School Essentials, respectively, and just a general chit-chat about how we think the campaigns are going and our opinions on long-running campaigns and stuff like that. So after the music, we'll be getting straight into that. Yeah, so um, what I was hoping to do is start off by like maybe both of us give like a bit of a, I suppose, capsule description of the two campaigns we're running. Obviously, you're running Burning Wheel, I'm running mm -hmm. um, Old School Essentials at the moment, and then we're just, cause we've both been running them for like a fair old while now. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, mine's bi weekly, and I've got like a ridiculous amount of hours in it, and yours is like weekly. Mm -hmm. So, like, you, you've chunked up a fair amount of hours in that campaign. So, if you were going to give a, a capsule description of your Burning Wheel Chronicle of the Crowns campaign, what would it be? Uh, a, a world, a uh, sort of fantastical world in the twilight years of its existence. It has already endured uh, several sort of end of the ages type scenarios yeah. where things are just being whittled down um, every uh, on every axis, really. And uh, in these last years, the waning years of this world, there is uh, a sort of spark of resurgent hope uh, in the form of a, a person who could do great things uh, if they but found the tools and the will to do it. And I suppose that's the, the very, very short form of it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, if I was going to do likewise for, for my Smoke and Snow campaign, I would say it's about the original homeland of humanity, once lost to a great ice age, is now revealed as the ice sheets are retreating, and the, the heroes are part of the first wave of the ancestors of the people who fled the advancing ice sheets now returning to like reclaim their ancient homeland. But it's a place they, they've heard of in legends, but they've never actually been. So although their, their forebears came from there, it's effectively a new land for them that they're now trying to reclaim and sort of discover like what happened in the old history and stuff like that. And I've often seen on online, like particularly recently, a lot of people talking about high level games in like inverted commas and like long running campaigns. And I thought to be honest, this I know we've done like a couple of seasons of like Smoke and Snow, but this is probably like one of the longer campaigns I've run. I don't know how your um Burning Wheel game stacks up in terms of campaigns you've run. Yeah, it's it's getting up there. Like previously in our sort of sphere of like what we've been doing the past several years now, I think this is now at least by number of times we played. Yeah, it's now the number one uh, longest. Previously, that was a start with a number game uh, at like twenty nine sessions. So yeah, it's it's pretty much uh, the longest. So looking at Chronicle of the Crowns, we've your Burning Wheel campaign, we've logged like nearly seventy-one hours 
mm-hmm. total play on that. And that's just like the recorded like actual sessions, not yep. all of the sort of talking and discussion we've done. Yep. And for, for Smoke and Snow, which is obviously running before Chronicle Grounds, we've logged like 130 hours of yep. that. So they're both like a pretty respectable chunk of our lives, like running yeah. these campaigns. Yeah, that's that's a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And uh, like I say, so I thought it'd be interesting to for us just to have a chat about how we think these campaigns have been going on. You know, anything we've sort of like noticed about them as like particularly long running campaigns, because you, you tend to find people sort of, it's either like people are have been running the same game since like 1983 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and been running running for the same group since I was a, a five year old lad and now I'm like 60 years old or whatever. Or it's people are like, oh yeah, all my, all my campaigns tend to like fizzle out mm-hmm. after like a handful of sessions. And there seems to be a lot more of the shorter run campaigns, yeah. and there are the long run campaigns. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think it's the uh, the very rare campaign that goes on. I what would I pull out of completely pull out of thin air here? Um, let's call it like half a year. Yeah. I think a lot of campaigns probably like the majority probably have to be like sub six months. As far as yeah, like yeah. I've I've just speaking from my experience, of course. And what I've sort of come across, the hobby. Uh, I think the the sort of shorter form campaign. Uh, actually, the net, let's not even talk in in months, but um, sort of comparative like session, like how, how many sessions. Yes. Um, uh, I think if you're doing like biweekly, six months, I guess that might be a sort of like good measuring average uh, for just again pulling out of thin air yeah. these numbers but <laughs> but um yeah the uh the years long especially i think that's the that's the rare one that's the unicorn of the hobby yeah that's it and uh, i've been thinking a little bit about you know why that might be and i think probably one of the most obvious answers is let's face it if you're it's, it's far easier to get people to to sign on for a sort of shorter mm-hmm. run campaign or like uh, for instance if you say to someone like oh we're, we're going to do well you know we've talked about how difficult it is to get people to sign on for a weekly game regardless of how long it's yeah, going to run yeah. and, and that, that's that's not to like throw shade at anyone because obviously everyone's got other shares going on but but um, trying to get people to sign on for like a weekly game when you're like oh it's going to be like an, an open-ended campaign we're not going to mm-hmm. sure how it's going to run is a hell of a difference sort of thing and it's a lot more commitment than saying like oh we're going to run a game like on a weekend or mm-hmm. we're going to run like a couple of sessions of this game are you okay yeah. for it so it's it's the commitment to like oh can i commit like eight hours over the course of a few days and most people are like well yeah i probably can whereas if you're mm-hmm. like oh potentially i'm going to be committing like four to five hours on this day at this time every week for an indeterminate amount yeah. of time in the future <laughs> yeah yeah signing a like an indefinite contract, basically, for yeah. uh, an activity at some point in your week. Yeah, it's it's infinitely easier, I think, uh, to book off a weekend. Oh yeah. Rather than that, rather than say like, oh yeah, one of my seven days a week, I'm going to dedicate to this. I say dedicate to this because you're probably going to be looking at like I don't know, average length, maybe three hours a session, depending on various factors. Yeah. And if if you're booking off three hours, you've got a full time job, maybe. You got family stuff to tend to. That's your day. <laughs> That's one day just fully booked already. So, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely more of a commitment that way. 
and also why I've been so uh, keen on uh, hanging on to the Thursday arrangement here because yeah, because we we made it work. We we actually have a weekly game, which is something that uh, we haven't really had before. We found out the Thursday slot. Um, yeah, haven't really had that. We've we've been running on bi-weekly for years before that. Yeah, I mean, as as we've said, we've talked about it before, and uh, obviously, as you know, I sort of tried to sort of get the the, the smoke and snow to like a weekly game, but mm-hmm. due to various things, like bi-weekly was like the most we could manage. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm still very much a fan of like the the weekly slot for for a number of different reasons but one i'll just float out there which just sort of bubbled to the surface recently obviously as you know because i'm doing like some larping next mm-hmm. week i've had to like push my game back and if you're running bi-weekly that means you've got two sessions a month mm-hmm. if you then have to cancel or miss out one of those sessions for any reason it can be three four weeks between sessions and mm-hmm. that's that that's enough time for people to start forgetting stuff and it's sort of like fading to the background of your memory. Whereas if you're running four sessions a month, you're doing it weekly, then if, like, say the worst happened and you had to cancel a session for whatever reason, there's still three sessions in that month and it's only a week mm-hmm. between sessions. So, you know, it still sort of stays quite immediate and sort of yeah. stays in your mind. Whereas, like I said, we, we've all got we've all got stuff going on in our lives that like distracts us with like other things. Some obviously like actually more important. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to be like, oh, oh yeah, I'll worry about the game a bit later, and just things to like fall through the cracks. I mean, I know that's one of the reasons I tend to like make fairly extensive notes in games to the point where like it annoys my wife when we've played games in person because I'll I'll have a notepad there and I'll almost be continually writing on it mm-hmm. just because I'm like, oh, my memory's so poor. That like between sessions, I'll probably forget some of this stuff. Whereas, yeah. like for your game, I've got a like a little notepad window I have open. I just mute myself and like mm-hmm. type away while stuff's going on. And then before the session, I mean, I don't get time every time, but before the session, I can just go right. Let's let's have a look over the last couple of sessions. And obviously, my notes aren't hundred percent. You always miss some stuff, mm-hmm. but it's enough for me to be like, oh yeah, we're we're in the Great Swamp, we're going to like fight the Pale Ones, and then we're going to yeah. come back, we're going to get some training from the Poet, and like I can refresh myself on a few names and stuff like that, so that f- for my own peace of mind, when I come to the session, I'm not turning up to the session and being like, oh yeah, what, what, what are we doing in yeah, the session? <laughs> where, where are we? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, obviously, I don't, I don't rock up being like, oh, I've got an encyclopedic memory of everything that's happened mm-hmm. in a previous session, <laughs> but I like for myself just to have, because obviously, like being a GM myself, I know you know the GM's got like enough on their plate when it comes to actually running the session. I personally don't want them then to have to also explain previous sessions to me because mm-hmm. I forgot them when I was actually there. So I should have like remembered it or made some notes or whatever. And yeah. I'm sure people with like better memories don't have to make uh, as many notes as me, but you know, wh- whatever works for you and like, helps you sort of like get yourself yeah. back into that yeah. headspace. Absolutely. Any any way that you can increase your own, you know, enjoyment and engagement with the game, yeah, all good. And it is, it is. Um, there's there's that weird like almost like teacher moment when you you start talking about something that people figure is important, and 
everyone's notepads come out <laughs> they start scribbling and you're like ah yes <laughs> they they pick, they're picking up on the uh, the things that i'm putting down i've got i've got to admit for, for me in terms of like my note taking i'm a bit of a sucker for when like a bad guy gives like the bad guy speech mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I like there's a few of like the speeches from your NPC guys where yeah i've pretty much got them written down <laughs> word for word like especially if it's yeah. one where I've not actively been involved because then, because I don't like to be like typing and then suddenly be like, oh, sorry, did you want me to like, yeah, reply? So, so like, <laughs> yeah. if I'm directly involved, like the notes are a bit more sort of like scatter shot, mm-hmm. whereas if I'm not, I can like write it down like word for word because I'm pretty quick at typing. Yeah. But, Stenographer. <laughs> well, that's it. It's also handy as well because like, every now and again, I'll just sort of like randomly like read through the notes or go back a couple of sessions. And there's always that bit when you get to the villain, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> you know, I stole that for. <laughs> gold off us back three sessions ago mm-hmm. and, and i'll often find things where like i'll be like oh yeah i forgot about that bit that happened in the past because obviously we were involved in like the current story and what's going on and then you sort of like, look back at it and you're like oh yeah i forgot that was like that was that guy that we we met and we, we talked about these plans we were going to do and then we got distracted by like this and we never really got mm-hmm. back to it mm-hmm. so I, I always find it really useful for me because i can it reminds me of like stuff that I might have forgotten, not because I'm like not paying attention to the game, but because I'm paying attention to like the current focus of the game, and not yeah. like the uh, not like the the dung farmer we met like six sessions ago, who said like yeah. his geese were being bothered by like pale ones or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and it, that also like depending on the game, of course, but that does allow you to then start picking at the um, sort of unresolved threads. At your yes. leisure, because yeah. if, if you noted them down, you, you can, if you want to, then be like, wait, we're back in the, the village of like Blackwater. It wasn't, wasn't there like, you know, this weird, you know, we think maybe sorcerer living out, you know, at the edges of the village. And um, we, we had some stuff going on with him, but then we had to leave. So we never resolved that. We, we want to go back to this uh, potentially evil wizard um, and... Um, you know, buy something off of whatever it is, but you, you're sort of, <laughs> you can direct things a little bit um, uh, better if, if you've got that sort of, I, I don't know what to call it, like, I guess unresolved threads, side quests, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's good. It gives you also a little bit of that treasured, uh, oh, why am I blanking on this now? Um, player agency, that's, yeah, that's, that's the thing. That, as well, it's handy because I give an example of like the last session we played of um, Chronicle of Crown, your game. When when we got to the bit where um, Adolstan, like uh, mm-hmm. John's previous character's like brother, who was an inquisitor, turned up, and he was like, and uh, Matthew was like, oh yeah, uh, Athelstan. He was asking some questions, and I was like, dude, I know like everything about Athelstan, like <laughs> since since he's turned up. Here's his file money. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and and obviously, it's not always something I sort of rely on because I like, quite often I make notes and like I sort of like put a little symbol by it. But I wasn't there as my character, so I can't use it out of char- sorry in character. But it's still nice to have because you know even if I'm not there in character, you can still sort of gain an appreciation for like the other stuff that's going on in the game mm-hmm. and again like I say as someone who GMs myself I, I like to think that you know I-, I know how much effort GMs put into like making their games so I'm like oh the least I can do is like actually appreciate the fact like other stuff's going on even if like I'm mm-hmm. not directly involved in it yeah 
No, and that's a that's a cool part of the hobby as well, like being the spectator. Uh, if if you're not on the spotlight, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a free show basically to appreciate and also act as a sort of I don't know uh, angel choir. You know, you're the you can like do stuff off the side as we have done a lot in the Burning Wheel stuff in sort of a little bit of a different form because we have like one character who is um, sort of very central to this yes uh, thing that we're sort of pursuing what the story is is about more or less in the game and we've got well uh, the uh, advisors and and all, all the people uh, the supporting cast to this uh, very reluctant <laughs> main <laughs> character in the story yeah I, I was gonna I was gonna actually um, bring that up because obviously well, we often sort of like hear you know social media and whatever and people posting about RPGs when you hear about people who want their characters to be like the spotlight character mm-hmm. they, they, they want to be in the spotlight all the time and obviously we've sort of potentially end up with the reverse of that where we've got like a spotlight character mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily I don't mean obviously I don't mean anything bad by this but it's not necessarily the player you would expect to like step into that role and I mean I think it's good to sort of like step a little bit outside your comfort zone every now and again because mm-hmm. otherwise how do you like expand your sort of knowledge base and your sort of experience base but I've also found to like being like one of the supporting characters obviously when when myself and John like created these characters after our first mm-hmm. it was very much understood like right the, the main character is like King Cameron and we're the sort of supporting players mm-hmm. and I actually found that sort of quite quite freeing really in a sort of weird sense because mm-hmm. I was like oh, okay yeah I'm not the spotlight character so I know I'm here to like provide support to this main character who I already know because I've already gained in sessions for that character and that could then inform the the PC that I was creating rather mm-hmm. than me sort of going like alright okay so we've got this story with the crowns how can I be a character of like equal importance in this sort of like massive 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 mythic <laughs> story whereas I was just like oh I don't, I don't really have to even bother thinking about that I'm just like right mm-hmm. I just have to be on like the King Cameron like crown train yeah. and like provide support for that and once I sort of stopped thinking about oh I had to make a character that's going to be parachuted in from nowhere but is like somehow also vitally important so as I yeah. put that out of my mind I was like oh that's okay. I don't really I've got nothing to worry about. I just make a character mm-hmm. I want, and as long as he's like on board the king's train, it's all good. Yep, yep. And I think a part of that, at least for me, uh, would be if I was making character into this game. Um, the thing that would very much uh, inspire me, I think, and um, help me in making that character would be the uh, very defined situation that the characters are in. Yeah, you know, the the fact that there is this. There's this reluctant um, uh, sort of prophesied uh, royal, I, I suppose, and um, the uh, characters, the other characters, are there for uh, reasons of their own uh, in an effort to help this central uh, character to um, achieve their fate or whatever it is that we end up doing, but yeah. to um, support. Uh, and help this uh, one uh, specific mythically burdened <laughs> individual, <laughs> and uh, that gives, as as is often the case, I find uh, you when you put down 
limits, uh, you can get uh, some really good creative work done. And uh, it's, yeah. it's also a joy, personally, for me to do that in a specific environment. Like, if I get specs for a character, I think I always have an easier time making a character then. Yes. Um, yeah. So to compare, like, a very easy comparison. So if we're starting a, uh, let's call it like a West Marshes game, um, Edges of the Civilization, there's the one point of light, and then our mission is to range into the Terra Incognita mm-hmm. and do stuff, adventuring stuff. And that's that's it. Um, I can make an infinity of characters for that, but I will have a lot more um, sort of fully fleshed out ideas if that's a little bit more defined. Maybe it's, okay, this is the same setup, borderline, um, you know, wilderness area. There's the one speck of light, but the one speck of light is this is the uh, the wizard's guild that is yeah. is trying to map out this area over here immediately i have more like fully realized people coming into my mind well i mean it's it's often pointed one of the things that's quoted when people are talking about rpgs is that idea of people being almost sort of paralyzed by like limitless choice effectively mm-hmm. and i know sort of like in like artist circles it's often said that like when you're doing a painting or whatever the hardest mm-hmm. point is when you're just looking at that uh, that blank piece of paper and you can do anything with it to mm-hmm. like make that first choice like and start narrowing down your choices and i certainly know when i was uh, when i was studying art one of the first things they advised they would just like just pick like a neutral color like gray brown mm-hmm. or anything like that and then just paint the whole of the page in that because mm-hmm. once you've done that you've already made the first step and then making the second steps even easier mhm yeah something to get you started uh, yeah. i guess is the thing the um there's that thing for um like writing as well as a as an art form the fear of the empty page is yes. very very real i'm sure you can relate to yeah, this yeah. being a, a a published writer yourself <laughs> uh yeah that's that's one that i also experience um i'm not much of a painter but um to, to be honest, neither am I now. I'm far too out of practice. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I was halfway, you know, decent with miniatures at one point, but it's, that's that's years ago. I must have lost lost the touch. But writing is the thing uh, yeah. that uh, I I hit that you know difficulty of like how to make the first little movement. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's one of the reasons when it comes to um, when it comes to like planning out sessions. I've basically got like a bit of a sort of template I use where I sort of like paste the blank template in and then I make my notes on that. And again, that's just about, I'm not sat there looking at a blank screen. I've got the template where it's like, oh, think about what sort of locations you're going to have. Think about what sort of monsters you might face. And once I start thinking about that, and I say those first few choices have sort of been made for me and it's pointing the way, Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier. Whereas... In games in the past where I'm just like, oh, I've got a blank notepad window, right, session for a game, let's go. I'll easily spend the first 10, 15 minutes just staring at that blank page mm-hmm. until I get an idea. And then I'm like, all right, okay, yeah, here we go. And you, you start writing up. Yep. Yeah, I find myself putting on, like, looking up music. I'll, I'll spend, like, yeah. 10, 15 minutes on that. Like, go on YouTube, find you know music to put on. And then I'll have some idea of, like, okay, maybe I could start with this. Then, then I'll spend easily half an hour on Wikipedia researching some, some yep. random stuff that came to mind, and I'm still at a blank page <laughs> in my notes. Yeah. 
I was going to say as well, it's a, it's an interesting um, thing I wanted to bring up because both of our sort of campaigns sort of re- loosely sort of revolve around, let's call them items of power for want of a better term. Obviously, we've got the we've got the crowns in your yeah. game, and we've got like the god blades that are magic swords in my yeah. game. And I thought it'd be interesting to chat about because obviously your burning wheel game. I mean, it's, it's called Chronicle of the Crown, so I'm guessing from mm-hmm. the start, obviously, <laughs> knowing the background, you were like, right, yeah, this is the story. Because, you know, when yeah. we sort of first talked about it, we were like, oh, yeah, we want, like, a sort of Tolkien-esque, like, Lord of the Rings sort of dealio. And mm-hmm. we talked about it, and it's like, oh, yeah, instead of, like, a ring, what sort of magic item could there be, you know, and went mm-hmm. for the crowns, and then, oh, yeah, there's, like, three crowns for the different species, and there's this ancient mm-hmm. enemy returning, and we need to, like, unite the, the forces of light and whatever. And yeah. whereas with smoke and snow i didn't really start off with the idea that oh yeah this is going to be you guys trying to like recover these like three magical like god blades no, no it, 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 it was just a case of like oh yeah okay the ice sheets have uh, retreated yeah you, you're traveling back to the land of your ancestors you're all like settling there here's a little village that you've settled mm-hmm. go go and explore the hex map yeah and, what are you interested in <laughs> yeah and then obviously because uh your character Weimar found like the the sun sword mm-hmm. and then it was revealed there were like two other swords that were like linked to it the green blade and the night blade and all the players like really leapt on board with that and were like oh right yeah okay we've well, we we think the green blades in like Dormanwood it's part of this magical working like oh we've, we've grabbed that but it's like messed a few things up and it's like reshuffled things oh and now we've heard like the night blades falling into this chasm right we've got to go and try and retrieve that and that was never the sort of original intent of the game, but obviously as a games master, mm-hmm. like if the players are like, Yes, we're all in for the quest for like the three magic swords, like I'm just gonna be like, Yeah, fine, three magic swords, great, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. But obviously as a the GM of one of the campaigns and a player in the other campaigns, I was gonna ask whether you thought there was any sort of difference between your campaign where this is not predetermined. I'm not saying it's like a railroad because I've had loads of freedom mm-hmm. in the game, but like a very sort of set goal from the start and like a goal that sort of just developed as the game went on, whether you thought there was any sort of difference between the two campaigns because of that. I mean, I know they're not directly transferable because they're very different games, but mm-hmm. I I do feel like there's like, there's a lot of similarities, especially at this point now in where we are in both of these games. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's an entirely like Smoke and Snow has an entirely organic um, history to what the game is about. Um, we started with the very sort of basic concept of your people here. You're trying to make it here, basically looking for resources, yeah. something to help us exist here. And, um, and then it developed on from that and uh, players being players we develop interest in things that we find along the way and latch onto them, some of them um, in with more intensity than others. And Burning Wheel, by comparison, uh, needs to have a very strong, defined starting situation, which we ended up picking the idea because it's it's collaborative. Like this wasn't something I laid out. Yes, we we yeah. made this, the players, all, all of us, uh, made the um, starting situation of, no, okay, so, um, the game was going to revolve at least like involve uh these items of power of of immense power and 
more to the point, it's kind of going to involve the people using them uh, yeah. eventually. And um, in, in that way, like Burning Wheel needs this like bespoke thing crafted to kick it off. But a Burning Wheel also is about, as it says in the back of the book, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's about the... Uh, um, these like highly dynamic characters and and them pursuing yes. the things that they yeah. believe in. And yeah, also, I, I was actually yeah, sorry for interrupting. Mm-hmm. I was going to actually say, uh, obviously, we're not going to go like fully into the mechanics of like Burning Wheel because mm-hmm. like there's two ginormous books if you're interested in that, and we've we've talked yeah. about it ourselves. But fourteen hundred pages, <laughs> indeed. But like v- very briefly, one of the you mentioned beliefs there. Mm-hmm. You you create beliefs which are like sort of goals in burning wheel and you get what are called what are called author points which are like your sort of fate points and stuff like yeah. that that you can spend but you're encouraged to create sort of like achievable goals mm-hmm. related to your like your current circumstances so i think as you were saying burning wheel you sort of you need to have a goal you're going towards whereas mm-hmm. in sort of something like D with like smoke and snow we can just plop you on a hex map and go go do what you do players and you, yep. you can crack on with that. Whereas in a, in a Burning Wheel game, if you're just like, oh, do what you want, guys, how yep. would you make your beliefs to like work with that yep. and sort of get those yep. fate points? Yeah, and it would be uh, very, like, I was thinking about this as you were starting to head towards this point. I was thinking about this. How would you make it work if you didn't have a strong start, starting situation? And it, it, it just feels like you would be... Uh, putting in a lot more energy for a lot less output yeah, at I that mean, point. Like, you could do that, but you would have to then sort of organically, the players would then have to have the idea in their sort of gamesmanship, I suppose, yeah. that you would start from these entirely desperate, uh, disparate, sorry, not desperate, maybe desperate as well, but <laughs> <laughs> these entirely uh, disparate situations. Maybe one of you is a baker, the other one, um, I don't know, traveling trader. Uh, uh, there's like there's that point when you're both in the same town, but other than that, there, we need to work to put yeah. these guys yeah. in the same picture. Uh, so you like everyone would need to be committed to the fact then of the story kind of then being about. If you want to have a good time with the game, then you're kind of signing up for the game to be about bringing these people together, like as as a sort of like weird um, uh, like starting goal without the starting goal because. You- <laughs> Because you probably want to play with your friends. Yeah. And now you could do entirely separate stories in Burning Wheel as well. That is something you could do, but I think that does not, um, it, it doesn't give you anywhere near the same kind of experience if you're playing with, you know, a, a party, let's say like yeah. a party of explorers, uh, adventurers, as is the uh, the standard. Um, it's not the same thing if, if you're all three different magnets in different cities, like you're. <laughs> You're, you're doing a, a lot of uh, different stuff at that point. And that's it for this episode. We had a lot more of a longer chat about this subject, and I'll be releasing some of that in future episodes. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you've got anything you'd like to say about long-form campaigns, or maybe talk about a particularly memorable long campaign that you've run yourself, you can get in touch with us a number of ways. You can leave a voicemail message on SpeakPipe or Anchor. There'll be links in the description of this episode. Or you can send us an email to rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com. So until we see you again, take care, stay safe, and whatever you're playing, have fun.
but I think did we entirely skip giving the intros to the campaigns that we're running? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we kind of jumped in. Yeah, well, we we sort of did. I tell you, tell you what, let's go back now. I'm at the power of editing. I'll put these at the uh, I'll put mm. these at the beginning. 